I want you to turn with me to second to Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two. We'll begin at verse five today. We'll, in fact, we'll be reading just verse five. How many of you? How many of you? God spoke to you last Sunday. I got a lot of email response from last Sunday, but how many of you? God did something for you. Amen. So now you're all. I want everybody to stand if you could, please, as we read the word. And remember, you have to amen real loud on this side. Because this is, this is the side that we put the, on the website. So you've got to be really good, okay? And so that they think it's just full. See, we would do it on the south side, but because there's no time strengths on the south side, I sometimes go just a hair long. And uh, this is the side that we always record. So let's, let's read the word together. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also... In Christ Jesus. In fact, I want you to read that out loud, okay? Because I want you to cement this in your heart as we end a year and start a new one. This is going to be kind of the direction we're taking this year. Philippians 2.5, let's read it together. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now I want you to do it one more time, only when it comes to let this mind be in you, I want you to speak your name out. And I want you to make this a personal thing. I have to do this all the time because, uh, you know, uh, sometimes the brain leaves. And so I have to say, let this mind be in Steve, which is also in Christ Jesus. Okay, can you do that? Let's let's read it again. And you insert your name. How many of you know your name? Now, guys, I don't want you inserting your wife's name here. I mean, that is a temptation. This is extreme temptation, but I don't want you to do this. I want you to put your name in there, and then we're going to pray. Let this mind be in Steve, which was also in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you love us and that, that you have given yourself for us. And Lord, we pray that you would just take the word and apply it to our life in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We're not going to spend a lot of time today. As you know, we have time constraints, but I want to uh, pick up where we were two weeks ago and dealing with a sentimental journey and how real is the reality, is your reality of Jesus. And uh, I just want to pick up the idea of sentimentality versus truth and just deal with a little bit here, just enough to seed you through the week, okay? How many of you know you've got a big week ahead of you? It's that week between Christmas and New Year's that how many of you find it hard to get motivated this next week? How many of you are real motivated? How many of you don't care? How many of you had just way too much fudge at Christmas? Yeah, there we go. How many of you have a sugar down right now? Okay. All right. Sentimental. We began to introduce this to you two weeks, the sentimental journeys. We come from the new year, the old year into the new. We want to begin to walk in a new era of truth. The word sentimental is marked or governed by feeling, sensibility, or emotional idealism. Sentimental is to, it results from feeling rather than reason or thought. We, we began to weave a, a thought pattern in you in this area of sentimentality versus truth. In this area, much of our Christian life is based on how we feel rather than what is true. 
Now, some of you really enjoyed worship this morning. Some of you didn't enjoy worship. Let me help you for a moment. Because we're in the training process, we're still in the area of getting to know one another. And so I want to help you so that when, especially when we have merged services and both campuses are together, and we want you to be together, moving the same pace, moving the same direction. Now how many of you, don't raise your hand, but how many of you, when you worship God, you like to sing songs that you know? Everybody does. They're familiar, right? There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with singing familiar songs. We all like familiarity. The only problem with with that, and we're trying to teach you something new. I don't know if you've noticed, but you've had a lot of new songs. I've watched some of you, and you kind of stumble through. That's okay, because I'm trying to train you some. If you notice the worship team, they're lost half the time. Have you seen that faraway look in their eyes? In their brain, this is what's going on in the worship team. In their brain, there's going, where is he going and why? Where is he taking us? He didn't put this on the list. <laughs> yeah, see, Karen, Karen's going, these were not on the list today. One of the things that I was taught through different means and through different mentors throughout my life was this. I should be able to worship anywhere, anytime. Because worship is a function of spirit and truth. It is not a function of familiarity. You got that? It's not a function. Because I, I can go into places and they can be singing, you know, you know, if you're raised in church, there's the old songs. And it's, I've done experiments with this. The South Side, they got experimented on for years as we taught them to worship. And it was this, I'd, we'd play some couple of songs they didn't know, and they're kind of like, wow, what a bummer. We don't know these. And then I'd go into a familiar song, and they'd just be worshiping away, and I'd stop. And I'd have them sit down, and I'd say, now, why was it that we were... And I would compare the words of the unfamiliar songs with the familiar. And I deliberately pick a familiar song because a lot of songs in the church have nothing to do with God or the Bible or Scripture. They just have to do with how you feel. So I'd pick one of those really good feeling songs and they, oh, we love you, God. And I'd stop and say, what was wrong with the Scripture we were singing a few minutes ago? I don't know if you've noticed, but many of your songs that you're singing now, whether you know it or not, you're having Scripture infused into you. We're putting a new theology into you through our singing. And so I would stop and they would go, well, because we know that one. And so we taught them, line upon line and precept upon precept, that worship does not come from familiarity. Worship comes from spirit and truth. I thought there was a time, literally, when, when we went through some of the changes we went through, that there were people that could worship to Old MacDonald had a farm. Seriously. Oh, and you go, why? I mean, have you, you know, how many of you, this is going to date some of you, how many of you remember the hymnals before they plastered things on the wall? There are some hymns that are absolutely incredible theological statements. They're good. We're working on bringing some of them back. 
a little bit different maybe than you've heard them. But then, in the stream that I was raised, you'd go through the... There were a lot of those old hymns that made absolutely no sense. But people would sing them and somewhat even cry. And they, what was happening? They were moved by their feelings and familiarity, rather by the Spirit of God. And one of the things that in the culture that we're in today, the culture we're in today is all about sentimentality. And we, we sang to you our famous song two weeks ago. Let me sing it to you again so that you get it because everybody loves this song. You ready? Think of me as a little cricket. When you wish upon a star, makes no difference who you are. Everything that your hearts desire will come to you. How many of you know that is a bad thing? <laughs> your heart's got some desires I don't want to come true, okay? But how many of you know all of us, we've sat and we've watched those Disney movies and we've wept, we've cried. What was going on? We were being sentimental, but there wasn't truth involved. And the same thing can happen in your worship. You can be sentimental about certain things and not be walking in truth and worshiping in spirit and truth. I, I tell people this. I have, we, I have to train myself and I've been training young worship leaders for several years now where they could walk into the Vatican, no joke, and worship. You know why? When you worship with spirit and truth, you find the truth of God and you can worship God anywhere. Why would I teach them that? Because we're coming into an era in the church where, you know, Matthew 24 says there's going to be many who come in that day and say, I'm the Christ. No, I'm the Christ. And if there's not the understanding of spirit and truth in your life, deception is sure to follow. And there needs to be that understanding, first of all, to distinguish between my spirit and my feelings and distinguish between truth and feelings. Now, one of the one of the sentimental sayings that I'm sure I'm sure you have uh, you, you've probably heard, uh, you know, we, we get these little things that we really believe are are scripture, and, and they're really not. And uh, you know, things like how, how many of you have heard this? Time heals all wounds. You ever heard that one? Some of you have even tried to look it up in the Bible. You will find it in First Hesitations, chapter 3. And I, every time I do that, I, I, I'll get an email. Somebody's listening on the Internet. They're going, Pastor, I couldn't find it. I don't know where you were talking from. You know, it's right near Hezekiah. And uh, feelings. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. And this is going to be the, the body of work that we're doing this morning. Isaiah chapter 1. We're dealing with let this mind be in you. We have a feeling mind... Or we can have a mind that reasons. One of the things that you'll be presented with, and we're, we're working hard on it right now, dealing with locations and everything, but by March, we're going to have several teaching things up for you to be able to choose from during the midweek uh, that one of the staff will be teaching, simply because we are very much aware that, that an, a half hour on a Sunday morning is not adequate enough to get certain ideas and certain principles in you.
But the main thing we want to do is teach you how to find truth for yourself. That's our job. And so in dealing with this, when we deal with feeling, the feeling mind is the seat or the seat of memory is very subjective. For instance, how many of you have ever heard an old song and you can remember how the carpet smelled when you first heard that song? Come on. Some of you are going, oh, I don't want to hear that song. Or, you know, there's certain songs that I will hear that remind me or bring me back to certain places, some I don't want to be. But how many of you know, you hear certain songs. And what does it do? It evokes feelings. And those feelings are not objective, they're subjective to your emotions. Now, how many of you know, we have to, we, we're, we're heading someplace with this because our whole goal in mind is, Revelation teaches us that God is in the process of preparing a bride for the bridegroom. The church is in a redemptive process right now. But the church has to come back to the fact of truth rather than feeling. Truth rather than sentimentality. I hear this and in, in my kids remind me as I get older, one of the things that I really work at doing with my girls, and, and uh, this year my girls gave both of us a, this big chest that had stuff in it, things that they had written throughout the years that they were thanking us for. And every one of the girls thanked us, myself more than her, because she is still listening to music from the 1930s. No, she's not that old. <laughs> she thought for a while that, that Credence Clear on a Revival was actually a real revival. You know what I'm saying? I, we had to set her straight. But every one of the girls wrote to us and said, thank you for never sticking with one type of music. In our house, we listened to all kinds of music, from rock to jazz to... Pavarotti, that's the days that I'm out of the house. But how many of you know, we listened to everything. We taught our girls to be appreciative of music, but also to always hunt for truth. So that whatever circumstance they would find themselves in, they would be able to lead in worship and be able to worship God in spirit and in truth. Well, that means you're going to have to have an objective mind, not a subjective mind. And I've watched, and I'm just using worship as an example. I've watched people, I remember, I was, this is how tell you how old I was. I remember when the first set of drums came into the church. It took an eldership unanimous vote. Sister McGillicuddy quit the church. It was horrible. And, and, and now look where we're at. We've got electronics. What's funny is, nowadays... If you don't have electronics, everybody can't worship. So I'm threatening. Now, this is just a threat. Don't know if I'm ready for it. But I've threatened the staff. I've threatened the worship team. I'm going to unplug everything one of these Sunday mornings and see how we do in worship. Isn't that amazing how we depend, we get sentimental toward the sound? Instead of sentimental to... Instead of truth and spirit rising up within us to worship. You see, I've, I, I've been in places where there was no electricity. And the worship literally drove me to my knees. I remember being out in Tanzania in this little 
square cement thing and there was no windows. There was holes, but there was no windows. And they had all they had in there was a piano, but I think the rats had eaten most of the wire and, and everything. And, the guy, you know, he only had five or six notes. But when that, that little 30-member congregation began to sing, something happened in that room. Why? It wasn't sentimental to them. They had their Bible and they had the Spirit of God and they could worship. Now, my, my feeling mind is very subjective to things. Very subjective to suggestions. Very subjective to comfort. Very subjective to... Remember we dealt two weeks ago with the word nice. We all like nice. That's subjectiveness. And in finding the real Jesus, we're going to have to deal with our feeling mind. Um, One of the things that happens when we deal with just feelings and not truth, when we deal with just sentimentality and not truth, is that sometimes we never find full forgiveness. So what do you mean? Well, if you don't feel, if you're a sentimental person, if you don't feel forgiven... You won't live forgiven. But the truth is, you've been forgiven. Now, I want you all to pretend that you're a computer. Okay? How many computers we have? Everybody's a computer. Your brain's a computer. Now, I want you to think about this. You are a financial computer now. Okay? And I'm going to enter in... 50 years of financial data, of your personal financial data, into your computer. And the first thing that's going to come out 99.9% of the time in the, of all the data that I would enter in to your financial computer is the time that you didn't pay the bill. You ever talk to a credit agency? You ever helped anybody through there? You ever got in there and you're buying a house and... Oh, you didn't pay a bill on such and such a date. They don't congratulate you that you paid for the other 49 years and 11 months. They just find that one little date and bing, there it is. Some of you in your walk with God as you walk in sentimental ideas instead of truth are the same way. You don't see where you've walked in with God and truth. You just remember that one failure. And every time you go to pray, every time you go to worship, every time God starts to use you, the computer spits that out. What needs to happen is a truth revolution needs to take place in your life where you can reach up and hit the delete button of the cross because you see your feelings are subjective, but the cross is objective. Isaiah 1.18, Isaiah writes these words, Come... Let us reason together. Now, the word reason there means to, to, in the Hebrew, it actually means to argue. It means to convince one another. It means to have a long discussion. Most of the times, we don't like to get into long discussions with God. Number one, because we don't know how. Number two, is because we don't feel like it. So here we are with this stuff, and God says, hey, let's sit down and let's reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, by the word, the word scarlet there means double dip. Though your sins have stained you doubly. 
I will wash them white as snow. Most of us never get to the point of reasoning. And, and what happens is in the area of reasoning, we, we don't take time to reason things out with God and allow Him to heal what's in us. Instead, we take the sentimental way, Lord Jesus, forgive me, amen, and we walk away hoping that it's done. Instead of sitting down and reasoning with God. We've become a fast food church that needs to go back to a slow cooking God. That's why I get really, uh, we're, we're really working on our time frames for both sides to figure out how to do it better because I've told the staff, we've got to have more time of just basking in worship. I think worship is so rushed. And we want to change your mind about worship. That worship isn't three songs and let's take the offering and dismiss the kids and get a lecture and go home. What if we just start loving on Jesus and He begins to reveal His beauty to us in a corporate way and, and something begins to happen inside of us that changes the reality for us? Feelings are very subjective. Now, I, I'm going to... I, 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 I think we're at that point where we get so emotional, we have romantic or nostalgic feeling about things and we, we, can't, we can't understand. And here's the deal. Sometimes we get too passive and lazy to think through our problems with God. When's the last time you were facing an issue and you grabbed your Bible... You see, wow, this is not a moving sermon. No, this is practical. We're going into a new year. We're going to do things different than we... By the way, if you do keep doing the same thing over and over again, it's not working. That's kind of like insanity. And so let's try something new this year. Let's say you're having a financial difficulty in your home. And you've got to make a financial decision. Are you going to make that decision based on feeling... Because there's a lot of people out there that will deal with your feelings. Oh, the interest is only 29%. And we can have it to you tomorrow. Feeling subjective. It's always, have you ever watched a, uh, uh, a credit card commercial? The people are so happy as they're slinging their MasterCard around. It doesn't show the breakdown occurring later when they're trying to pay for the thing. See, truth doesn't intersect in the reality, only the feelings intersect. So what if you're having a financial difficulty and you stop, you grab your Bible, you tell your husband, your wife, your mom, your dad, whoever is in your house with you, please don't bother me for the next couple, three hours, and you and God go get in the closet and you wait before, the, sometimes without saying anything, just having your Bible open and you begin to have a discussion with God, you ask Him questions and then wait. You say, you mean you'll talk? Yeah. When we cry out to Him, He's always going to answer, friends. The problem most of the time, as I find God is speaking to me, but my sentimentality doesn't allow me to hear what He's saying because it comes against how I feel He should answer. <laughs> Boy, there are things I really feel God has not answered correctly. For instance, I should have been 6'6". Six, six. I wouldn't be heavy. But He didn't listen. How many of you know, too many times we speak to God and expect a certain answer back because that's what we feel should happen. 
So what do we do? We get in the closet and we take out Philippians 2, verse 5, and we ask this. Jesus, I need your mind. I need to think like you think. In fact, Jesus, let's discuss this problem and I really want to know how you feel about it. Do you realize some of the answers that you're going to get are going to be contrary to how you feel? It's going to be contrary to how you think the circumstance should be fixed? Let me give you a biblical example. Can you imagine the guy that comes to Jesus blind, wanting to see, and so Jesus bends down, spits and makes mud and puts it on his eyes? Nobody was expecting that one. And then, by the way, go and dip in the pool of Siloam and when you come up, you'll be healed. That, you know, that wasn't reasonable to our flesh, to our feelings. It was very reasonable to God. And so the answers that you will get will not be reasonable answers in your feelings, but will be reasonable in the realm of truth. Now, I want you to do, and I'm going to give you an assignment for the week. How many of you say, I, I wouldn't mind an assignment for this week? I want you to practice this. How many of you have at home paper and a pen? How many of you journal? I'm a journaler. How many of you journal? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get your Bible, get your journal or a piece of paper and a pen. I want you to get alone for a moment. And I want you to just sit down and put one, two, write down one through ten and write down all the negative things that are going on in your head. The top ten negative things in your head. And once you get them down, I want you to go up to number one and I want you to say, now, Jesus, I need your mind on this. You say, wow, that, that's... I mean, I have to do this instead of just listen to a, you know, a CD or a podcast? Yeah, you and God, no podcast, no CD, and your list, and start at number one and say, Jesus, let this mind be in me that's also in you. And how do you think about this? I guarantee you, by the time you get down to about number three, you're going to have a shocking revelation. And here's the revelation. God already knows how you feel and wants to reveal truth to you about how you feel. And you're going to find yourself repenting. You're also going to find yourself going, wow, you really love me that much? Because God's ideas and God's ideals are so greater than what you have in your feelings. And most of us live off of those top ten negative things. We live right there. We actually believe that they're impossibilities in the face of a God that can deal with the possibilities. I want, if you're here this morning... And you've already, the minute I met, said that, you already had three or four things down instantaneously. And that's you. I want you to stand right now.